Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Strife Sanctum. My name is Citizen Strife, and as you can see by the thumbnail, I'm not alone this time. Because I've brought back my friend League Clips, who has done a few of the playthroughs with me, and as should be finishing or will be finishing soon, she played Legend of Lagaya. And we wanted to talk about it! Yay! Why not? It was such a fun game. End of, end of the end of podcast. Thirty seconds. There we go. No, not really. No. Um, but yes, uh, Lee played it this time, and how this came about for those who weren't unaware because of the Dino Crisis thing, and because you started with the Silent Hill. I think what it was, was I did the Kingdom Hearts review way back. You were disappointed you weren't on it because I figured you were busy at the time. So then we did the Silent Hill one. Mm-hmm. Then it went into Final Fantasy VIII. Uh-huh. Went into Final Fantasy VII. Turned into, hey, we've got nothing to do for a little while. What do we want to do? And you were like, well, I know this game called Dino Crisis. Do you want to see it? So we did it. And as fun as that was, and as bad as the puzzles were, we got through it, 10 episodes, just fine. Mm -hmm. The original plan was to do Legend of Lagaya, which ended up being a little longer, because that's more of the RPG sphere. But as I had stated, I'd never played Legend of Lagaya. I'd heard of it. I it was one of those, like, I've heard of this, but I never played it kind of thing. It was, I was like... Sweet Coden or Skies of Arcadia or Golden Sun around that sort of time. I'm like, it passed me by. And I kind of regret it now not having played it. Because having seen you play it, <laughs> I wish I'd played it 25 years ago. But to each their own, I suppose. But how did you get into it? With what, Lagaya? Yeah, Lagaya. Um... I don't, I, re I don't remember. I think I picked it up at a flea market. <laughs> we, um, so it wasn't, like a, it wasn't like a blockbuster thing? No. See, I got my first PlayStation because I, I had been babysitting for a family that had one. And while their kids were napping, I would just sit and try the PlayStation out because I, I wanted to see what all the hype about this machine was. And the very first game that I picked up, because they had it, the very first game that I got to actually try out was Dino Crisis. And I loved it. I loved it. I got to play that one, and I played the, re the demo for Resident Evil 3. And... Stars. <laughs> And I absolutely loved it, and I, I was blown away by how cool the PlayStation was at that point. So, as soon as I'd saved up enough money, I got one for myself. And, you know, whenever we had, whenever we had time, we would be like, we were at the flea market like every weekend. So, I would look around and I would just take whatever spare money I had and I would go looking for games that looked interesting. I remember the flea market was how I got, um, I got Legend of Lagaya. I got, 
I believe I got Final Fantasy VII from the flea market, too. But I had borrowed that one from a friend previously, and I knew how good a game it was, and I was looking for my own copy. Um, and I also bought Silent Hill from that flea market. Because it looked cool. It, it was just this game that just, like, the cover art and everything just, like, blew me away, and that was, I, I thought maybe that would be a cool one to try someday. So, you know, I got Legend of Lagaya and I brought it home, and I started playing it. There were no guides. I didn't have a computer. Internet was dial-up, so it was really slow. Oh. Yeah, this is back in the AOL days. Yeah, and no, I don't remember the dial-up noise by heart. I wish I did, but I'm not going to do it. Don't. We all yeah. we, we will all love you more for that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And it, it just got into this, uh, you know, discovering all their moves, using my weekly trip to the library to look up moves that I hadn't discovered yet, um, figure out, like, what I'm supposed to do in a given area if it wasn't clear from the dialogue. I mean, the game is pretty linear. It has, it has a, a way of telling you where you should be going, when you should be going there. Yeah. So, I mean, it wasn't like we were running into big... My sister and I were the ones playing it, primarily. It wasn't like we were running into big air plop, you know, problems with the plot or anything. There was more like, what level are we supposed to be before we try to do this? Yeah. And, you know, things like that. Um, but really, the only thing I had to look up was moves that I hadn't discovered on my own yet. And that is kind of the thing. And normally I would go in kind of a linear fashion and like say plot and characters and whatnot. But really what Lagaya does that I don't think I've ever seen any other game do is that battle system. Mm, the and it's, yeah, it's not even, it's not even the same as like a fighting game. But the best way to describe it would be to input commands as if it were. Or say, like, Sabin from Final Fantasy VI. Because you'd input the command that's on the screen, and then he would do the move. In this, that's basically what you're doing. You still have arts, and you still have magic and whatever, but it caught me off guard looking at it. Like, turning this game into kind of a martial arts fighting game but it's still like a turn-based RPG. Mm -hmm. um, I kind of... Okay, you know, throughout our entire playthrough of Lagaya, I constantly called Stripe on the fact that he kept comparing it to Final Fantasy. I know. And I'm about to do the same damn thing. <laughs> think, of, think of the movesets like Zell's Limit Break. Yeah. It's basically that. Where with Zell's limit break, some options would come up on the screen and you'd have to input the right buttons to make that attack happen. And that's exactly what Lagaya's fighting combat system is. You put in the right you punch the right buttons and that attack will happen. And that's that's just for their arts moves, and they had so many different types of arts moves. They had their regular arts, 
They had hyper arts that you had to learn from a book. Um, and those were because of their Rossavru powers. They had super arts that you could you could get by combining all their norm several normal arts together, and then they had miracle arts, which was like the fuck you button. Yep. Basically. It was like the end all be all of attacks. Yeah, I was watching it and, and again we were using different codes and things, but still it was like some of the arts were like, I don't know, eight hundred damage, nine hundred damage, maybe a thousand. As soon as you inputted the miracle art, once you had the code, you were just like, not twenty two hundred damage. I'm like, Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that what was hilarious was like I think we spent the first episode once we got all three of them. You were just like, "What was this move? What was this move? What was this move?" And there was like fifteen moves, so that there was like no guesswork for the rest of the game until we got to oh god, what was it? The gala thing? We were trying to get oh, this yeah. special move, and it, ugh, uh, I'll yeah, let with, you tell it. With gala, we ran into this really weird glitch. So, one of the things that I did was I used a Game Shark code to make all of my items infinite because at one point I combined that with Miracle Water so that I could just raise their stats as much as I needed to to make the game um, not as challenging but still really enjoyable. Mm-hmm. But not stupid easy either. Yeah. And um, what happened was, because the ultimate items, the unlimited items code was in play, it reproduced his Thunder book. So he ended up with three copies of this book that you're only supposed to ever get one copy of. And I thought, how am I going to get rid of this? Because you can't throw it away. You can't sell it. So I used it, and then it let me use it each time. So he ended up with the th- he ended up with his thunder punch attack in the menu three times. And the fact that there were two extra thunder punch listings in there wiped out two of his other basic moves. So because of those two moves being wiped out, he was never able to learn his Ozma attack. Oops. And level his Rossaru up to level seven, which was the highest it could go in the game. So, for all the fun we had activating Lee mode, it came back to bite us in the end of somehow. Yeah, um, but it's it was fine because we didn't really need Ozma's attack anyway. No, and I could still do Gala's miracle art, even though technically one of the arts in the miracle art was wiped out by the thunder punch being in there more Oops. than more than once. Well, hooray, because that 20,000 damage per turn was something I re- really enjoyed seeing. Oh, why not? I mean, it was yeah. It was a sight to behold. Yeah, um another thing about the battle system was every so often these enemies, these uh Saru enemies, most were normal, you know, you beat mm-hmm. them up and they die. Mm-hmm. But then every so often you would get these elemental ones. And yep. they would essentially be your learnable skills. So if you didn't want to do your normal attack 
combinations. You could use the Saru powers, and it, they would be they would range from healing spells to nuking spells to hey, set a dude on fire to a to an alien xenomorph that shot a thing out of its ass, which was a giant laser. Yeah, um, you know all sorts of fun junk and. The frustrating thing for us was the only way to learn it was to bash an enemy by a character who hadn't learned it yet and hope and pray. This isn't a like lore situation where if you see the attack, you learned it. Nope. You have to hope and pray that that skill gets imbued to your character. Yeah, you can finagle with an ivory book, but man, what was it like two or three times it was like one fight after we got done recording. There it was. Yep. It always seemed to happen that way too. We would spend and we would spend like more than half of an episode trying to get one character to learn one of the summons. And as soon as we stopped recording, the character would learn it. Yep. Every freaking time or- without fail. Yeah, or or it would spend like another twenty minutes, and Lee's just sitting there trying to learn it, and I'm I'm probably off on my breaks, just going, okay, this will take a while. I'll just go get some food, and I'm just like, nah, nah, okay, I'll check Reddit or whatever. Jim's so like, no, we're not done yet, and then it was like, because we're trying to do these episodes in bulk, so unlike, um, my process, which is say if I'm doing two or three episodes a time. Lee and I were trying to get like four, five, six episodes at a time. And then we would take extended breaks in between, you know, because we're both doing it at the same time. So it's like game was testing that kind of patience because that system was not not being nice because like we just not fall on the floor. We need your stupid skill. And I'm like, the heal spells were the ones that I was worried about the most. Some of the other ones like, um the alien with the butt laser, you know, <laughs> Aluru. I'll, I'll say Aluru because it's shorthand. Alien yeah. with the that butt laser. Nice. <laughs> well, yeah, that was one of the stronger ones until, like, the Terra and uh, Meta ones, the Rosaru that we had, uh, like, those were doing, like, 5,000 damage or something oh, crazy. Yeah. But they were endgame skills. They were expected. So those would use your MP. Um, but again, it's cool that, like, you have this like charge mechanic that acts as a guard, but you also have HP, self-explanatory, MP is pretty self-explanatory. Use your skills, and then you have AP for all your combinations and stuff. Because it it yeah. was a really cool idea because I'd never seen that sort of thing before, or at least never seen it. As I said, I saw it maybe once or twice as a character trait or a character quirk, but I've never seen this type of martial arts because it is a martial arts movie in a in an RPG system. I Pretty was much. I was impressed. Um, and speaking of that, um, we'll get into the characters now. And honestly, there's not that many. I was kind of surprised outside of the characters you meet in like every specific city. Um, yeah, you only have three party members the entire game. Yeah, that, yeah, that caught me. And um, so we'll talk about them. Vaughn is Link, basically. He's your typical silent protagonist. But his whole ju- his whole story is his city is the first city to get destroyed. Well, in game that we see, Rim Elm destroyed by the Saru and all the monsters and all the all the 
chaos and well, crap. So his family is affected. All the other stuff is affected. It's yeah. not the city that gets destroyed. It's the wall that protects it. Ah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I keep forgetting that. I mean, Cause, cause you're you... sitting there going in spoiler territory trying to say that the, the, the town gets destroyed. Well, we already posted the first video. I don't. I mean, at time of recording, so I don't really care. Um, <laughs> I'm, assu I'm assuming people watching this or don't care about spoilers. Um, well, because I put spoiler tags for these anyway. Assuming you stick to your pattern, this isn't even going to come up until you, until the last episode goes up anyway. Well, I didn't mean that. I meant the wall. The wall breaks free, and this called Zito shows up and says, yeah, I'm going to destroy you. So Vaughn City is like, well, how do we save it? How do we deal with it? What do we do? And turns out the Rosaru, which are the good versions of these, well, not monster things, the Saru aren't evil. That's the thing that the game tries to express, is the Saru are yeah. monsters, but they're not evil. But there's a separate entity called Rosaru, and it calls to him, it basically fuses within him and he becomes super powerful and then he's tasked with reviving what are known as Genesis trees. And if you've never seen a Genesis tree or wondering what it is, basically the tree of life in the shape of broccoli. Yeah. Because every time we every time we did it, it was always a giant stick of broccoli. But I mean it looked nice. Yeah. Um, so he leaves, he leaves his family, his, uh, I don't want to get into that. That would be spoiler territory. Um, but again, he has a family or most of a family, but he has a, he has a home and he's going to defend it. He's going to try and get rid of what is known as mist. We don't know necessarily what the mist is and whatnot, but it's like he's sitting there going, okay, I'll just go to the nearby place and stop it because you got to destroy these things called mist generators. You got to destroy Zito and all the other weird monsters that are around. And, mm -hmm. you know, Vaughn isn't really a character, so there's not much to talk about well, I mean, with him. He, it's like every he kind of is because they do give you dialogue choices to choose from for him. Yeah. And you can choose to make him say really, like really nice supportive things or you can choose to make him say dumb insensitive things or or you can choose to follow follow for may and have her measure everything about you to tailor a suit and then realize it's just a big dick joke the entire time um well half of the game is a big dick joke yeah because gala exists um <laughs> but um but yes uh Dude, that's like comparing of... him to being the gigantic turd named Bono in South Park. Wait, there was another turd other than the Mr. Hanky? Okay, in South Park, there was actually an episode where uh, Stan's dad, uh, Randy, takes oh, this gigantic crap and thinks that it's <laughs> a world record breaker. So yeah, he starts would... trying to go about having it declared as like a Guinness world record and the people at Guinness. Oh tell God, him, I remember this now. Yeah. And they tell him, we don't, we don't do that. You have to call these other people. And then they sit there and they say that the world record holder is Bono, but he actually did break the record. So they give him the new record. And then Bono comes out and says that he just broke the record again. And then 
Randy goes through trying to create another record-breaking poop. Turns out that Bono didn't break the record. He was the record. Okay. I mean, I know, I know, I know Trey Parker and Matt Stone get into these things all the time, but what did Bono ever do to them? I don't know. He's actually a pretty decent guy. Yeah, you would think, given all the stories we hear about all these celebrities now, because social media is a thing. Anyway. Well, I mean, um, at a time when social media wasn't really a big thing, you two would go yeah. around, not only would, were they touring, they were, um, they were doing humanitarian efforts in third world countries. They were trying to raise awareness for all this stuff that, you know, all this stuff going on in the world. They were literally going out and trying to make the world a better place. Yeah. And it wasn't like they were, like, and at the same time, they were making really damn good music, too. Mm -hmm. It was like, you know, and it's not like they were acting really super stupid smug with themselves about it, either. They were still acting like decent people. Yeah. Um, but anyway, getting back to the giant piece of crap that is Gala. Um, um, so, so, um. I'm saving I'm saving the best character for last because we'll probably never shut up about her. But anyway, um, so a couple of <laughs> couple of areas in, Vaughn makes his way to a place called Byron Monastery. We we did a tutorial of a character from Byron who's teaching us all this martial arts stuff. So Gala is the head teacher, not not the mentor, not the not the you know, full on head of it, but he's basically the teacher of the monks in most cases, the second in command, if you will. Yeah, he's and... he's basically the he's he's basically number one to Captain Picard. Yep. That's good. Will Riker. Nice. That's a, that's exactly the comparison I was gonna make. Um but really? um, <laughs> But yeah, it's um I mean, I haven't seen it in forever, but still, um, I grew up on Star Trek. Anyway, um, Gala has this, yeah, Gala has this feud with, and I'm always going to get his name wrong, pronunciation-wise, it's Sonji. 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 Yeah. Because I always do the Son part, I don't know why, because, God forbid, I can't do any pronunciations for shit in any game ever. Anyway, um... Sanji is just the annoying prick, the safer, basically. He is basically safer, now that I think about he, it. It's he is stupid. pretty much. Yeah, so imagine Gala, what that entails. Yeah. Gala and Sanji have a very squall-safer relationship. They're, they're frenemies. Yeah. For lack of a better word. They're <laughs> they rivals. Were. They're rivals and frenemies. Yeah, I, I I think the frustrating thing about Sanji was like just how long he's always just kind of because there are characters that do that. They'll hang around the game way longer than they should. Um, and, and to be fair, most of this game doesn't really rely on like the one main villain. He kind of ends up being that guy because he shows up so much. Um, but it's always about Gala. It's not really about messing with the rest of the party it's just i'm going to be stronger because i want to beat you so as as much as i like gala it ends up being a kind of a one or two notes with the character he does kind of break free on occasion but like his two modes are i'm beating up i'm beating up sanji 
or two, he's being a dick to people almost like Waka or Steiner, right? We kept making those, like, yeah. for a while, he was just, like, never listening to what anybody was saying and not paying attention. Gala, After a while, it started going away. Gala comes from a place where the Saru killed his family and made him an orphan. Yeah. So he absolutely detests the Saru and anything that has to do with them. That's one of the reasons why he took to Byron so well is because the the Byron faith basically disavows the use of any Saru and they believe that they they believe that humans can do things with their own strength and that they don't need mm -hmm. the strength of a Saru. They can do it all on their own. And to an extent they have a point. Yeah. It's not good to rely on something like that too much because then your own growth stagnates and you don't mm. you don't ever make progress. But um in this case though they kind of take it a little they're kind of like I don't want to compare this to any one religion because kind of I mean, it's like it's kind of like an amalgamation of a bunch of different religious faiths. Yeah. I would just say they're zealots. Um They are zealots. Not, not any particular, yeah, not any particular type of zealot, just the zealot type. And they don't want to hear of any bullshit. Now, they realize after Vaughn and the third character, you know, or second character in this case, get good, you know, they do all the things for them and save their lives. They're like, oh, okay, you've learned, you know, he slowly starts to get it, and then he gets a Rosaru himself, and then Gala, you know, still is just kind of like a curmudgeon, basically. But for the rest of the playthrough, it's like, he's dealing with Sanji, and then his annoyance starts to slowly fade away, but he does have these moments where he's kind of a dick to people. Like, I get it. Yeah. It, something I noticed even late in the game was, like, there'd be this crazy, intense moment, like a tragedy, and he'd be like, well, we still need to get moving, you know? You, you don't have time for tears and all that. I'm like, a little fucking space or some sympathy would be nice. Really? You know? and, and that's... And it, it just frustrated me that it's like, as much as he changed, he still was just... Ugh. And you like, really see it in the late game, like yeah. <laughs> in the last, in the last kind of the last quarter of the game, when it's starting to become crunch time, it, it gets really tragic at yes. that point. And there's just so much stuff happening, one tragedy after another, and then all this stuff that's making you realize that it's even more tragic than you think when it comes back. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. instead of just giving this poor character space to grieve for what's happening, he gets on his goddamn stuffy high horse and says, we don't have time for that right now. Pick yeah, yourself we'll have time up to and let's later. go. Yeah. Like, this is why one of my nicknames for him is the Byron Blockhead. That's the polite one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and given that, like, really the t the main characters of this piece aren't really Vaughn. He's the reactionary, like, he's seeing the world, but he's not interacting much. You really only have Gala and this character, this next character we're going to talk about, their name for it. The benefit is, if this game was just, like, Gala and Vaughn, 
it would not work. But the best character in this game by far, and the one that like every episode we would just say, she's the best thing about this, is Noah. And like I think you mentioned her either before I started playing it and started watching it and seeing if we were gonna do it, or like as soon as I said Noah's great, you were just like, Yay, it's a, it's like we just couldn't get enough. Like there was just something, you know, like the selfie thing in Final Fantasy VIII. It was just like Yeah. That that is great. Noah has just got so much personality. She it's just this bubbly little Zooming like lightning that just zaps you. Yeah, or kicks you in the face in the case of one of the characters. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. So later on in the game, this this woman that we know is trying to turn this like drunken sap. She's trying to like she's trying to get him kind of the man up speech. So Noah just says, No, no man up speech. You're a bad person. So she drop kicks him in the face in the fucking bar. Yeah. I'm just sitting there going. Um, a little much. She totally didn't understand the situation, though, because, spoiler here, Noah was a little girl who was raised in a cave by a wolf that had a Rosaru attached to its head. The same Rosaru that she would eventually get when they revive another Genesis tree. Mm -hmm. So yeah, she ended up being... She, she was raised in a cave. She completely closed off from any kind of people her entire life. And she didn't remember having a family or anything. She didn't know who her parents were. She, yeah, had, that's... she had dreams about them, though. One mm -hmm. of the things that I didn't do... Um, during the course of the game. I didn't go and stay in all of the inns. Usually when you go to a new inn and you're starting a new part, a new section of the story in the game, you go to an inn and stay there. Noah has a dream about her parents. Oh. There were several dream sequences from the game that I didn't have just because they're basically all repetitive. Like, if you've seen one, you've seen all of them, basically. It's it's just her chasing after these little orbs of light, calling for her mother and father. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very sad to go through, and I didn't go through a lot of them. Mm. Yeah, and to be fair, a lot of the last part of the game is learning what happens to her. And as I've said before, I'm not one of these people that gives silent protagonists a lot of a lot of leeway. I tend to think of the character who gets the more screen time as kind of the main, you know, the de facto main character. To me, Noah was the main character of this because it was it wasn't just that she was the one. It's not necessarily driving the plot, but sure, her interactions with people were always driving things because, as you said she would not interact with people on a normal way. Gala would always just kind of facepalm, and even I would sometimes be like, what are you doing? She'd walk into, a, she'd walk into a, a, an inn or, a, or a, 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 a shop and be like, what's money? 
you need money? And like she tried to steal a thing by accident. And again, mm-hmm. she's not malicious in any way. That's the thing. Is like she would just like flap her arms like a flappy bird at every little thing. And that's part of the fun. Is like everything was exciting. Mm-hmm. Eating up monsters was exciting to her. And she would always make these like cool noises like lucky and like like just clap her hands every time a battle would end and just like she would just run around and do things. It was like watching, like I watching little kids, because oh, that's yeah. essentially what she was—like a fourteen or fifteen-year-old kid with the mind of maybe a five-year-old, if had, that. She had very childlike energy. Yeah, and it's, it's just—it it was an infectious thing. Mm-hmm. But and as you said before, oh, go ahead. There's there's a part of the game that really goes into all three of their backstories. Like, it mm. goes a little deeper into the rivalry between Gala and Sanji and lets you know, you know, just to revisit that for a second. Sanji resents Gala much the same way that Safer resented Squall. Gala got all the attention and Sanji felt left out. Gala was the perfect one. Sanji was the screw-up. And sure was. their leader, Master Zoku, kept hitting the two against each other. And Sanji took it as... He took it very personally. He thought that... He basically twisted everything in his head in a way where he thought that Gallo was looking down on him and thinking that he was better. Much the same way that Sanji would be if Sanji were the better one. He would be looking down his nose at Gala and thinking that he's better than Gala. Because that's the kind of person Sanji is. He's very petty. Yes. Gala's... He's so self-righteous, he may as well have a stick shoved up his ass. (laughs) He's very, very rigid. In his thinking and his behavior. He doesn't start to soften up a little bit until he starts traveling with Vaughn and Noah. Mm-hmm. One, because it's really hard to be a stuffy asshole around Noah. She's just a little force of nature and she's going to bull your ass over. And she literally does half the time. She'll just, like, there were times when she would just run into, like, where a bomb would explode and she's like, wee! Uh-huh. Or she like like uh there were these winged oh, people uh oh, and she would just flap her arms over and over and over like we i'm flying we i'm like oh my she's god fall remember when she was running at kara and kara just stops her with a hand yeah she just <laughs> she's standing there still running <laughs> yeah she's like ah what's this stiff arm I'm like no no you're bad i'm like no but uh, again it was basically like we kept making the we kept making the joke that she was like a descendant or like cousin of selfie is like in 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 a good way because like, I remember the the Final Fantasy VIII playthrough where I was just like and selfie's so freaking good I forgot how good she was Noah was basically that but even more so because she had the backstory later on with her family that they would keep bringing up and they waited until very late when the game started like I will say this about the game. The tone is way more serious than I would have ever thought. 
because it was doing the stuff like Maze measuring Vaughn and saying, oh, how big you're, how, how big boys grow. I'm like, really? So you do stupid shit like that or have some jokes. But no, this game is ugly. And, and I don't mean physically, and I don't mean from a, from a graphics perspective. I mean from what they do in this game, what they do to people is just fucking disgusting. Mm-hmm. They make all these like weird biological experiments and you get to see all the icky like weird goo the Saru starts pecking people in the necks and shit and like it's just disgusting what happens later on in the game. So you learn what happens to Noah's parents and they're caught up in it and I'm like mm-hmm. there was times like I think you had to take a little bit of time away or like you were just like nope. Yeah, there were times when, um, like, as many times as I've played Legend of Lagaya over the last, Jesus, what the hell, 20 years? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay, you guys know, I'm not a young lady anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of old. But, for the, for the number of years that I've been playing this game... The story still sucker punches me, and I still have to step away and cry sometimes. Just from the sheer tragedy of what's happening. And several times that we were going through some of these really heavy drama scenes, I was having to take a break and pull my emotions back in. Because I was getting caught up in the story all over again. And having these really super emotional reactions to it. Which you can hear when I'm mm-hmm. when I'm reading the dialogue, you can hear it. I'm not just acting, I'm feeling it. Right. And to me, I think what that says is uh really what the strength of someone's character is. I've said this before. Uh, I've been driven more into games or shows or whatever because of characters, not necessarily stories. There's only so many stories you can really tell. Like there was, what was that book? It was like a hero's journey or something. There's like seven different ways to define a story. Something strange like that. But there's like, there's versions of every story out there and we've probably seen every variation and every little thing. So it really becomes what's the variation on this character. And as I, as we were saying, Noah has such a strong like presence in Mm -hmm. her own way and they build all the stuff. And again, they were doing tragic shit like midway through the game, you know, even at the beginning of the game, you know, people die in the beginning of the game, right? So it's like, yeah, the, you know. the, the story starts off. Vaughn's journey outside of Rim Elm starts with a funeral. Yeah, that was. Oof. I mean, the very night that their wall, the wall gets destroyed and the mist starts coming into their town, which also lets in the Saru. They already had one death that they were having to deal with. But then there were more added to it because their town was attacked in the middle of the night. Yeah, and I think to me, it 
because we've seen that forever. Like, oh, a town got blown up. Like, what's the big deal? The fact that they spent like a scene talking about like what is a death? What is where is my dad? Where is the thing? Like, they spent like an inordinate amount of time showing the funeral box, like the the coffins being pushed out to sea. I'm just like, God, oh, because again. It's telling you a story, but in a way that seems like they are not screwing around. They are not sugarcoating anything. So because we know that what these characters have gone through and what we keep saying, like Noah spins like and I, I talked about Octum was Noah's looking for this character that can lead to her parents. So they find it. They find this Hari person and these earthquakes keep happening. And I'm like, mm-hmm. we don't think anything of it, you know, but then you start seeing these people like talking about, I've just lost my home. We have not seen the sunlight for 10 years. There's another town that is like, I'm sick of this boredom, you know, for 10 years. I can't walk outside. I can't walk downstairs because people were going to die. You know, it's just like, yeah, like there's... NPCs are just, uh, yeah, the NPCs are just like, as, with as, as, as few character models as there are in the game, I mean, there's mm-hmm. still enough variety that there's different character models in each town. It's just that they reuse a lot of the same ones. Yeah, that's fair. And, like, the people of Octum, they hid from the mist by going underground. They're getting plagued by earthquakes that are destroying their houses. And some of them didn't make it out of their houses before the earth swallowed it. So, the people there are living with that stress and fear. Mm. The people of Saul are living in a tower that it's high enough to, that above a certain floor, the mist doesn't go that high because it's, the mist is thick and it stays low to the ground. So, once you get up above a certain floor, there is no mist and it's safe. Because they're higher up than the mist. But if you go into the lower floors, that's where you risk running into the trouble because that's where the mist is. So yeah. they have to they have to remember that they can't go below a certain floor. And if their boredom ever gets like I wonder like it makes you think like if one of them ever actually did become suicidal or something, what do they do? Do they go up to the roof and jump off of it? Or do they go down into the lower levels and become Saru monsters? Like, what do they do? It's like neither answer is good because we we kept seeing like this this neon light place with this bouncy music and shit, and like everybody's just sitting there going, "I just want to go outside." Like the the lavishness and paradise of this place is boring after a while. I'm just sick mm-hmm. of all of this. But then the, then you get, like, the tonal shift of Noah in a dancing competition. I'm like, you need that. Yeah. It's so stupid and because Noah is doing this dancing competition. I'm like, have you seen the rest of this game? We get a respite from this crap. Let's have it. Noah gets her dancing contest and Gala does a comedy show. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't get to see the comedy show, but. That was my one regret. That was that they really missed a they missed something there. They could have done yeah. that. They could have yeah, given and... that scene some dialogue, and it would have been hilarious. 
Yeah, I know. Um, and Vaughn gets in on the fun because he gets to do the, the typical fighting tournament thing. Yeah, he gets to fair. go to the muscle dome and do the... The muscle! He gets to do basically the equivalent of Battle Square in Final Fantasy VII. Yep. Except when you're fighting a bull boss that you fought before and they won't fucking die and then it takes for... like I think Ugh. that one time it was like 10 minutes to do it, that. It wasn't 10 minutes, it just... It just took longer than it should have because uh, his toughness was starting to catch up with their levels. Yeah, and I think it was at that point we were just like, nah, we're, we're too busy for this shit. And like the next recording session, we were just like, every single fucking code, we're done. I don't know what, I kept calling it Lee mode. I, I don't know what your response to that ever was because I, I kept saying. really, I didn't make one up. I didn't respond to it. Yeah, I but basically like we were trying to um well Lee decided, hey, I will do this thing, I will do miracle waters to keep leveling up my characters so that like when we're doing recordings we're never like in problem, right? After a while yeah. we were spending so much time doing uh let's find a Saru, let's find a fight, let's level up a thing. Eventually Lee was just like, okay, full stats across the board, no random encounters so we can get through the shit quicker. And all the stuff was dam doing damage like 20,000 a turn or something crazy like that. I'm sitting mm -hmm. here just going, hooray, now we can do this in quick succession. And I was just like, hooray. Because it's not that the game was super hard or anything. It was just draining after a while. And that fight in the battle arena, I think, was that tipping point. I'm just... Yeah, the, it that. just took that one fight with Zane in the battle, in the battle arena... On the, it was the beginner level tournament too. Yeah, just like and what? Zane was the final fight for round eight. That fight no. took that fight took a good five minutes or so, and it shouldn't have yeah. taken that long. It just no, took man. way too many turns with me sitting there trying to do the strongest attacks I could. Yeah, and I think what you said was you were like so busy with other stuff at your at your home, you were just like, you know what? Fuck this shit. Like, and boop. yeah, I didn't have time to grind levels between recording sessions. Yeah. So I, I figured, you know what? I have codes. I can make them work. I'm going to use them, but I'm going to be completely open and upfront that I've used them. I'm not yeah. just going to sit here and try to say, hey, I'm just this good. No, I'm not right. that good. I'm just well, that yeah, impatient. I, I think the funniest thing was when you put the codes in, like Noah was level 99 in full stats, but everybody else was, but they were like level 27. I never figured out why that happened. Um, I don't but, know but either, yeah, it was... unless I somehow activated the level 99 one and didn't realize it. Oh, that could be what it was. But again, it was one of those things like at that point, I was invested in the story and the characters that I wanted to see what they were going through that I didn't need to see the struggle of the fights themselves because the fights are a conduit for the story and the story is a conduit for what the characters are going through. Mm -hmm. And by the time that that was happening, we'd already dealt with like 10 hours of Octom earthquakes and people are dying. The Rim Elm funeral. We hadn't even done Conkrum yet, but Saul Tower was already just a wreckage, you know? Yeah, and then Saul we still Tower. had the... the 
Yeah. Yeah. But but and then there's still like another city or two to go on that main continent. And it was like, you know what? I think the story is going to be strong enough that I don't really care if we go through these battles and beat the shit out of them. Sure, I can understand maybe like, oh, this super hard fight is super fucking hard. And I'm like, I, you know, it's like, cool. But I think we dealt with that. And it was like, mm-hmm. I still got the emotional investment of seeing what Noah's family situation ended up being. Like what they did at the end of the game. I talked about the tragedy of it all. By that point in the story, it was they were trying to summon this like super like Omega weapon level thing called uh, Juggernaut, right? And mm-hmm. to do that, they would put these women in these like flesh containers. Basically, it's as disgusting as it sounds. They are basically like living tubes of goo, and you'd hear all these noises. And the game would relish in that. Like, the final dungeon is a freaking biological experiment. It's called Bio Castle. It's basically the inside of a fucking juggernaut thing. And I'm like, it's like all red and diseased and disgusting. And I'm like, this game is just unabashedly insane. It's just basically, they created dungeon levels and all of the... Like, all of the the ground and the walls and everything are supposed to be, like, what you would imagine the inside of someone would be. Yeah, what was the part with Vaughn would always have to go into this river of, like, red goo? And it was just like, oh. It was like blood. Yeah. Yeah, and not not even just blood as in blood as we see when we get a cut. It was, like, blood with, like, red and pink and all these weird... Ah, uh, it, it, it's very graphic. Yeah, it, um, it was just, it, and it was, it was like a a rapid river. Yeah, and I think that's the thing that's going to stick with me most, and and that's a positive that this game has, is because the characters were developed. Like, even if like the villains themselves were very stock, you know, they're just monsters fighting and just blowing shit up because they're taking over the world because they don't know any better. You know, it, it, they slowly develop why they would do it. You know, and that's like the final like three to five hours of the game but it's all tied into noah's thing and they keep it until then they save that stuff for the very end but because you were either invested or not invested in noah and gala and their situations it leads to going into all these towns and seeing all this disturbing stuff these npcs i'm not like an npc guy but you were and i think it elevated the experience because of it mm-hmm. because talk to these people and they would tell you i don't want to get married to this guy and die or i don't want to go to this place and become a saru or all this crazy shit you know as we talked about the positives in this game are just the battle system is great but the characters for what they are for what the story is as basic as they are are a very effective and very it it really is the tone because as nice as the moments are the moments of bliss of hey noah's in a dance competition and lee wins by three points because of one note going just her way i'm like that is like a small drop in a bucket when you consider all the disgusting crap that was going on for these last like 30 hours. Yeah. And I'm like, whoa. Or like, so, 
Like, like the impact of saving the people of Octum and then finding out what the consequence of that turned out to be. Yeah, so the game was like, aha, got you. Yeah, we did something really great, but then on the other hand, we caused something really awful to happen, too. <laughs> yeah, we were like, yay, Octum is saved. What happens? Oh, the other city's fucked, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so uh, um, I, I know I don't use this... And again, they're totally different games, so bear that in mind, but... When I was watching this, I was thinking of Nier. Um, and uh, again, Nier is done in a m much more like chaotic and like very almost mean-spirited way. This is a traditional game, but it's done with such a dour sensibility that it catches you off guard. Um, because everything else is like very, you know, let's go fight some dudes. Let's go do this thing, you know, and it's like but again, you have characters like Noah and Gala on occasion to lighten the mood. You know, a lot of the NPCs are well written, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and... it, it takes a lot of chances with as basic a setup as it is. It's willing to take chances. And yes, and... It, they're all dealing with their own tragedies in their own way. But, you know, once you've gone through and you've saved an area... Then you get to go back and talk to everybody who's, they're happy and they're trying to rebuild their lives, you know, after being freed from the mist. Yeah. And that, that gives you, that, that's like, that's your zen spot for that part of the yeah. game. You can end, the fun part is, there's a teleportation system called the Door of Wind. You can go back and revisit any place that you've been before. Mm-hmm. So you can just, like, if you're stuck in a part of the game where it's really kind of depressing and it's draining you, you can go yeah. back and visit a, a place that you've been before, that you've liberated, and go talk to happy people. Yeah. Um, so, so there is that balance there. And, and I think it's an effective tool because you you don't want one consistent tone for an entire game you don't want it to be absolutely happy all the time because then there's no like threat there's no consequences but you also don't want everything always being dour all the time because then like you just like do i really want to play this am i having fun so, like, Lagaya balances itself really well, and it, the battle system, as frustrating as it was sometimes, it gave a good sense of, like, leeway, because I liked seeing all the new attacks and seeing, like, all the characters have new equipment all the time. Like, we kept calling you know, Gala's thing, like, the baby rattle of doom or something. Uh -huh. Um like Noah would just kick dudes to high end, almost like a Chun Li in a way. Um, Vaughn would have this like knife blade, like Assassin's Creed, and just start stabbing, or just a straightforward knife. And it's like the martial arts stuff is cool because it's like, and it's not just them. Like the bat, the enemies too can either use their skills or they can use their own attack chains and do damage. So it's a it's a very you know fairly hard game on occasion when it needs to be. And there, I, I know there are times in the ahead. fights when you don't even have to manually choose what their attacks are. You can literally choose an auto attack and just go mm -hmm. from there. Yeah, which so... kind of takes the stress out of the fighting for you like if you don't know specifically 
Like, if, if you know specifically that you want to string some attacks together and try to find a super art by com making combos, then yeah, you have the freedom to do that. If you don't want to do that, if you just want to see what the game does on its own, you can choose auto, and sometimes auto, like, will find arts that you haven't found yet. It's yeah. rare, but it happens. Yeah, and it's important to note that the game also catalogs most of the things that you're doing. Like, the Door of Wind will take you to cities that you've been to. It will tell you, like, what your skill set has been. So if you don't know exactly... And it's not like you have to put the code in and then you're, like, stuck trying to remember it a second later. It's telling you, oh, here's the screen. Here's the list right there. So you don't have to look at a list online or something. If you have it memorized, the game will memorize it for you. It'll memorize all of the... Uh, the Saru abilities that you've learned, all of the cool stuff that you get. So as I've said before, the, the battle system is free-flowing. So if you don't want to focus on magic, you just want to focus on the attack stuff, you can do that. If you want to be a magic-based user, you can do that. Um, that, again, leads to the strength that this game has as it was willing to try some different things and succeed. Because I'm sitting here watching it, and I'm like, every time like Noah and Gala and Vaughn would attack, they're all kind of doing different styles. Noah was like fast and chaotic and just jumping all over the place and kicking people. Gala was like super freaking slow and he would have less attacks to do, but they would do more damage. Vaughn was well-rounded. So it's like they all worked well off the, each other too. So it was an impressive battle system. And this was like, they only did like one of their sequel, didn't they? Yeah, they did do one sequel. It's called Legaia 2 Dual Saga. Yeah, so and, that was like their first attempt. Oh, go ahead. And Dual Saga has nothing to do with this game. Yeah. The only, <laughs> so. the only thing that... The similarities are... They have, um, they have the same combat system. You know, where you put in arts moves, they use arts. But they're not called Byron Arts anymore. They're something mm. else. But they're still arts. And you put them in the same way. They also have these spirits. I forgot what they're I forgot what they're called, or they might just be called spirits, I don't know. But each several people have them. It's something that not everyone has, but some people do have. And the ones who do have these spirits are um, basically branded as evil and traitorous, and they have to they get put put to death when they're found. Ew. But these ones, you're a witch. These ones end up on a quest to save the world. Go figure. Of course, because we uh -huh. we we hate all the witches, but the witches are the ones with the powers that are going to save our lives. Woo! But the main We're character sorry. resembles Vaughn quite a bit, even though his name is different. His name is uh, Lang. Yeah. So, uh, again, like, uh, the thing w with this game was it was made by Sony uh, Computer Entertainment, and I don't know, like, they ended up making stuff like Legend of Dragoon or publishing it. I don't know if it was the same company. I don't think it was the same people, but they were always, like, trying different things. Like, it wasn't it wasn't a Final Fantasy game. It wasn't the Star Ocean game. It wasn't the Tales game. 
it was its own style of RPG at the time. And because, like, the thing I'm going to remember most is for as condensed a game as it is, like 30 hours, and that's generous considering what we were doing on break, I bet you it was only like 15 to 20 hours, to be honest. Like 20, 25. It is a brief experience Mm -hmm. if you're just zipping through it. There's a lot of stuff in there. I mean, not in the sense of side questing and whatnot. I'm talking just like learning about the world. The world building was great. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's something that for a game that was by itself, like it wasn't developed as a franchise or a leader was to do that combat system, to do as good a job as it did telling story and character. I was just floored by this and i'm like kind of like why did i not play this 20 years ago (sighs) but um what would you say would be like the strengths of this game um well i think the biggest strength is the story the combat system is unique the characters are interesting enough to want to keep you playing the game, even if one or two of them is a little on the generic side. There's still enough interesting characters to make you want to invest in the game. Mm-hmm. And sure, there are some plot twists that you can kind of see coming a mile away, but they're not so bad that it distracts you from actually being caught up in it. Mm-hmm. The good things about the game, those those strengths, the game does those things very, very well. Yeah. And I think that speaks to <laughs> a police siren walking across my building. God damn it. Anyway, um that never mind. Um it's it's the fact that, like you said, even if something is predictable. That does not make it bad. Um, I think if it's something that the character or that the person would want the character to go through, giving them that answer is fine. The game, I think, does a perfect job of giving you what you want, even if it's in a subtle way. And as we said, it's a very intense way. This game is intense. And that's something that I'm just going to remember. Because even if it's predictable, it's done with some intensity and some thought process put into it. Because if it was too simple, there wouldn't be anything to go by. But because they dive into all that stuff, all the NPC stuff, I'm like, oh. (laughs) Um, Was there anything about the game that you didn't really respond to or just didn't like at all? Sometimes I really didn't like how overbearing the dialogue could be. Like, it would it would get to this point where it was kind of like beating a dead horse with how dire their situation was, or uh. you know something like that, and it or where you needed to go or something, and it, it would just get to the point where it, it was like. Yeah, I know. You just said that. Stop saying that. Yeah. We, we get you want to go to Conkrum? 
Hey, hey, game. Have, have, did you want to go to Conkrum? Hey, guys, did you hear about Conkrum? It's so great. Did you, you want to go to Conkrum? I'm like, and that was like the last city of the game. And I'm just like, we get it. We need to go there. We got it. Yeah. That was my intro. That was exactly what I was feeling. We, was, we got it. We have to go there at some point to advance the plot. We get yeah, it. We, we have to go to the Genesis tree because we've always been going to the Genesis trees. And you have to go to like 10 of those. Um, uh-huh. Another one was um, every time you did the Genesis tree, you would say the same dialogue. Um, it was reminiscent of, um, you know, those parts in Zelda Link to the Past where you save the maidens in the dark world and they tell yes. you the story of the That. Every time you do the Genesis tree, you're going through that again. Yes. It's just, ugh. And it's a pain in the ass. Because it's repetitive. Yeah. Vaughn feels warmth in his hand. Gala feels strength. Oh, no. Gala felt joy. Oh. Yeah. I was like, yeah. God. Yeah. A big, sure, was... a, bl- a big blockhead with something in his hand, he feels joy. Yeah. And, and like every time, like, ugh. no, and it, it's, it wasn't even that. It was like anytime the Genesis tree would grow, unless you had like a Sonji come by and, you know, mess with you as a boss fight or something. It was like every time you do the Genesis tree, you would pulsate and, ooh, the town's looking great. Ooh. And I'm like, okay, like, cool. Didn't need to go through 10 of these. To be fair, like, again, you'd have cities like Octum, where the consequences would turn into a city later that, like, oh, that was cool. That part would be unique. Everything in, besi- like, besides the Genesis trees and the mist generator stuff was pretty cool. Because the mist generators ended up being the same thing, too. It was like, okay, it's final boss of this area, and then you gotta do a thing, and then it'll turn into shit, and then it'll go away, and yeah. <laughs> you know, and as you said, repetitive. Um, I, I, I think I brought this up earlier. It was the battle system and how you got these skills from the, from the monsters. Um, I like the idea. I just don't think the execution was there, uh, because it was so random. Like for every time Vaughn or Noah would get it first try, there'd be another chance where it'd be like five or six or even 10 fights. Right? And, and then it would, you know, the one who had the lowest intelligence stat out of the group is usually Gala. Yep. Because he's just, you know, me fight, me smash. Yes. I'm kidding. But no. No, actually, <laughs> Noah, Noah is the one with the lowest intelligence stat. Oh, yeah. But for every single time where Noah could sit there and learn two Saru powers on the first try, she'll have three more where she learns where it takes her like five or six fights to learn it. Or sometimes even more. And yeah, it was like and... that for all of the characters. I had moments like that with all of them. And yeah, and go ahead. There's an item that you can equip in the game called an ivory book that's supposed to increase Mm. your chances of of acquiring magic spells. 
And it, it was really arbitrary whether you had it equipped or not, because it didn't really <laughs> seem to do any good. Nope. It, it, I, I think it's one of those things, it's like, if you don't have a 100% success rate, it feels like you have a 0% success rate. Yeah. Um, and what really is annoying is that, again, the game is not expecting you to get every single thing, but there's the hope that you do you know they give you the system so that you do and it's like well you don't want gala to learn five different things just for no it or not i mean your method was gather everything for everybody my yeah. guess was what if only noah learned the wind spells what if vaughn only learned the cure spells you know but it's, it's still like uh, for all of the other items that was like, hey, you can instantly run away from a fight. You can instantly gain AP recruit. You can instantly do this. There, there was the ivory book that was the chance. It wasn't 100% success to do the thing. And like you said, because the ivory book was one thing. Well, why wasn't there like an ebony book to grant 100% success so that it wouldn't become such an arbitrary mess? Because it's not just finding the creature. That alone is a problem because you'd fight five or ten different battles that you didn't have to fight just to fight the thing you were looking for, just to hope that you get the thing that you need to get. So I'm, it's like, this system is a cool idea, but in practice it failed to really land home. Yeah. Because it was a series of frustrations that didn't need to exist when you could just say, all right, I'm toggling a switch now to give me 100% success rate on this thing. Let me do that. Like, I can escape battles whenever I want to. Let me do that, you know. Pretty much. Again, I, I mean, it sounds, like a, it sounds like a big molehill, right? Or mountain out of a molehill, right? But when you're doing that for 20 hours of gameplay does start to wear thin which sucks because a lot of the rest of the game is fun the battle system is really engaging but it's just like could you have not found a better way to give us skills because you could get skills from dudes in like random apartment buildings or uh towns but you couldn't learn fighting skills from like another like you know, learn this skill from buying it in a store, right? Like, here's the Gamard skill. It'll teach you this thing. Buy it for 20,000 whatever, you know. Yeah, right? That would have... But that would have been know, really could... expensive over time. Yeah, but still, it would have been a guaranteed everybody learned it. True, um, but you also were supposed to be saving up for your armors, too. Yeah. But, you know, it is one of these things like no game is perfect. So how much of it in reality is it going to drive you? Um, uh, was there anything else that you can think of? Because it was some things in the battle system, some of the arbitrary. Um, you said, um, oh, God, what was it? Be the overbearing plot, the overbearing nature of over explaining things. Was there yeah. anything else that you could think of? Not right off the top of my head. Look at your messages. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I think I added in the, the idea about the battle system, honestly, because that was one that was bugging me. Um, and I wasn't even playing it. Imagine what it was like for you. Um, but at the end of the day, I think what we both felt, and I know me personally, 
was that this game was a massive success. And I was floored by just what they were able to do with a new IP. I don't even know if these people had made RPGs before. Like, the Sony Entertainment Company, like I said, they were making some RPGs that weren't franchises. To come up with something this effective and this affecting, like, I'm going to remember some of those weird sequences near the end of the game, and even the beginning of the game for the rest of my life. And I would have never experienced it if you'd not told me. It was like, I'd heard about this game for years, and I'm like, what is this? It's, it's almost kind of like the Xenogears thing. It's like everybody's heard of Xenogears, and you, know, you, you play it, and you're like, whatever. You know, it was that type of game for me, you know. Because you told me, it's like, oh, God, you have to play this. Yeah, I and now that I've experienced, <laughs> yeah, now that I've experienced it, I can totally be like, yeah, I'm in that camp. Because people wonder, do I recommend a thing or not? Yeah. If you've never experienced this game, I would highly recommend it. Or, better yet, watch us do it. Cheap plug. <laughs> anyway. Um, any, anything you want to plug right now? Uh, that's a loaded question. <laughs> Lots of stuff. <laughs> I put you on the spot. We didn't plan any of this stuff. We were doing this. No, off we the really didn't we... plan this one today. Um, yep. I guess I'll plug the same old, same old. Um, visit, visit my Etsy store. There's a link. I mean, it's mine and my fiance's Etsy store, but you know, visit, shop, please. Y yes, buy. Lee makes. Lee makes stuff like um, earrings and bracelets and other fun things. And I make got necklaces shirts. too. Ooh, nice. I make all kinds of stuff. Dude, you have no idea how many compliments I get when I show pictures in Discord. It's really like... I have to work not to get an ego. <laughs> <laughs> Funny, that's what I should be saying about myself. Um... Uh, um, but no, I, I think you're pretty level-headed, to be honest. Yeah, I don't think anything that I make is really all that cool, but people keep telling me it's really nice, so I take the compliment, and I just appreciate it for what it is. Yeah. Um, um, also, when my life is not total chaos, I stream on Twitch, so... You could come by and see me play anything from old-school RPGs like Legend of Ligaya or Final Fantasy to a survival horror game like Resident Evil. Not the remakes. I don't play the remakes. Um, or you might see me play The Sims or Animal Crossing or some other chill, laid-back game. It yeah, really just depends on what I'm in the mood for stuff. that day. Yeah, variety. Yes. Unlike me. I love variety. <laughs> I am Mr. I am Mr. RPG. Well, not really, because there's Any, a guy named anyone Mr. Anyone who knows me knows that I have a very short attention span, and I get bored easily, so... Yes, but you play for a very, very, very long time, so if people like long streams, you're one of the best to go to. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Did you say ooh or thank you? No, I said thank you. God, I was about to say you were going to say ooh, and I'm like, uh-oh, I dug myself. Why would I say ew? I don't know. Was... You just freaking complimented me. Why would I say ew? 
It's because every every so often I say something dumb, and you then we come up and say, "Did you say that you had a bag of dicks somewhere?" I'm like, it's like, what did I hear? No, no. but you know what? I got a bag of dicks in the mail once. <laughs> and with that, we shall end this podcast on a bag of dicks. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Thanks for watching. <laughs>